During this pressing time, Ishai Fleischer, international lecturer, show host, and columnist, is launching a nationwide speaking tour to tackle your tough questions about the Jewish state. Ishai Fleischer is the director of Israel National Radio and founder of Kuma, whose mission is to energize Israel with identity and purpose. I love this place. I love this people. I love this land. I love this God. You've got to make a commitment that you're going to be a spiritual warrior, that you are not only going to open your heart, but make sure to open the heart of every other Jew. Put in it love, happiness, joy. Kill the cynicism. Stamp it out. Now is the time to stand up for Israel. Ishai's expert analysis based on recent events, world history, and biblical insight will cut away the hype and give you an insider's eye on Zion. To book Ishai for a venue, go to ionzion.com. Shalom and welcome to all of you lovers of Hashem, His Torah, Israel, and the Noahide Nations. You're on the Noahide Nations radio show. I'm your co-host, Ray Patterson. And let me go ahead and real quickly bring in my co-host and friend, Prescott Johnson. Prescott, how are we doing? I'm doing great, Ray. Hello, everybody out there. Hope everyone's having a good day. Well, if they're not now, after the show, they will be. Because we have a very cool show coming up. It's our final interview at the 20th anniversary conference of the VJRI Noahide Conference. It was held in Texas uh, over Memorial Day. And uh, I did three interviews out there, and this was the, in fact, I did more than that, but the three we were going to do is Larry Borntrager, Jim Long, and Jack Saunders. And we already did Jack and Larry, so this one is of Jim Long. But we do want to do a little bit of housekeeping before we get into it, and that is always send your emails. Send it to Noahide at IsraelNationalRadio.com. For you folks that are new with us, this is the Noahide Nation show where we believe in the Noahide laws, which can be found in the Torah or the Chumash, the five books of Moshe. Right, Prescott? That's right. And do you and want me to list them? Yeah, just go ahead and uh, uh, just list them real we, quick. We haven't done that for a while, you know. We sure haven't. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Need some help? <laughs> uh, let's see. We're not supposed to commit idolatry. We're not supposed to commit blasphemy. In fact, we're told not to, not just that we're not supposed to. We are not to. Not to commit murder. We are not to commit theft. We're not to eat the limb of a living animal. We're to establish courts of justice. I'm missing one. Yes, you are. It's not to have any illicit sexual relations. Oh, I did. I I, I, I didn't say adultery. I thought of it when I said idolatry, and I was going to say adultery. And I okay, okay, we got them now. Right, and that is the seven that you can find that are for the Gentiles of the world. This is uh, these are our commandments. We don't have to keep the ten commandments, just the seven. So anyway, folks, we had a wonderful interview with Jim Long, and we want to go ahead and get into that right now. So let's bring it on. I've got a very special guest, but let me just say we're running a very special show. This, of course, is the 20th anniversary of the VJRI Noahide 
Conference. And I've got a gentleman with me right now, my friend and yours, if you recall, my co-host, former co-host, I should say, Mr. Jim Long, who can share a little bit with us about the very first No Hide Conference for VJRI. Jim, come on in here. How you doing? I'm doing great, Ray. Thanks for having me on again. Oh, hey, it's great. Thanks. You know, in fact, I was thinking about that. It's been a year since you've been on the air with us, and coincidentally enough, the last time was at the last conference here. I guess it was. So it, it wow. absolutely was. Okay, and I, by the way, if, if I can, if, if I won't embarrass him, I would like to tell you that uh, I've been listening to the shows you've done with Prescott, and uh, he, he has really proven himself to be an, an able co-host, and you, you, you guys really complement each other quite well and I appreciate the job both of you are doing but I appreciate that you were able to find someone to fill in the other side of the microphone so to speak right but um, well and let's face it if it weren't for your efforts we may never have gotten the show off the ground I mean it was you and I who launched it I appreciate and then that, yeah. uh, you know we carried on and uh, your schedule just got kind of hectic and we got Adam in and then Adam of course you know getting married and now he's got a little one and you know I don't think he could be any more busy than he is right now and now we got pregnant Prescott, and you know he getting, is doing a marvelous married, job. Getting married and, <clears throat> and having kids will will complicate a lot of schedules. Oh, yeah, it'll take it out of you. So, uh, <laughs> as a couple of old timers, right. we, we can talk about that. Yeah, but we won't go there. No, no, we won't. <laughs> Not on this show. But, That's uh, for another day. <laughs> yeah, you know the, the funny thing is, as I was recounting to to some of the folks uh, during the conference, uh, one of the things that we did here, and I, you may have even been talking to some of the other guests is uh, people have been uh, sort of reminiscing and, and talking about the impact of the first big conference for Noahides that Vendo put together back in 1990. And, you know, I never, I wasn't, that was, you know, for me, that was after I, you know, became a Noahide. It was before I really actually discovered Torah. Right. And But it was because of that conference that I sort of got an early introduction to what the movement was about because those that know me know that, I, I literally went from being in broadcasting full-time to working with Vendel full-time, and I was kind of right, his, yeah. his AV guy. You know, I, I handled the recording chores, and I, I helped him with his lectures. And, you know, that's back in the days we used to use these things called slide projectors. Yeah. And uh, for <laughs> yeah. some of you youngsters out there... Uh, you know, now you can go see him in a museum. Yeah, exactly. So I used to help him set up his slide slideshow, and, and I would also do the PR, do the public relations and the, and the publicity. And so, in part of that, I uh, what happened is I learned to edit video, and the, the reason I did that is because Vendel had had uh, purchased a, a video editing system, which at the time was state of the art, mm-hmm. and. In doing that, I, I learned to, I taught myself how to edit video. And then the next thing I did is I took this enormous tape library that Vendel had of his meetings, his conferences, his teachings, and I just sat down and in my spare time when I was looking for a potential documentary to put together, because that's how I learned was by doing a, right, a documentary. Right. I began to watch the videotapes from this 1990 conference. And, of course, the luminaries that were there, you know, Mara Kahana and Jim Tabor and all these people. And I have to tell you that even though I wasn't able to attend that, you know, physically, just listening to the words and the power of the words, which turns out, of course, to be Torah. Right. <laughs> um, the, 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 of the speakers at this conference, for me, it was cr- a crash course in the movement in the concepts of the, the Sheva Mitzvot, the seven laws. And it also introduced me to what uh, I guess we could call the 
primary personalities that have driven this movement. Mm-hmm. Bindle, of course, who was among the, the chief. Jim Tabor, who's done a lot of wonderful stuff. And, right. and, uh, and now he's, you know, in the archaeological realm, he continues a lot of interesting work. So that, for me, even though I, I wasn't there, it, uh, it impacted me in a very positive way. So Well, and when you think about it, Vendel kind of has that about him. And which, by the way, folks, uh, Vendel is celebrating his uh, 80th birthday, yeah. and we all got to sing happy birthday to the man yesterday and had some great cake. I mean, I put on some LBs at this conference, <laughs> so I'm going to need to do, do some treadmill work when I get home. But Vendel has that impact on, on people, not just uh, in his, his Torah teaching, but in everything that he does. I mean, he's a, you know, you can't really call him an archaeologist in the truest sense. The people, I mean, you'd probably know better than I, they, they, uh, kind of frown upon people like Vendel because they're not the experts. And yet, Vendel, I've seen the guy on TV, yeah. and he kind of puts these people to shame at well, times. Well, what, what Vendel, yeah. make, what Vendel uh, his credentials in the archaeological realm, his most important credentials, really speak to us by way of what, what I would call his field training in archaeology. This is the most, you know, as we said, again, we, these are things that we talked to the crowd about uh, last night, was the fact that uh, you know, Vendel, for whatever reasons, was always on the front front edge, the leading edge of the technology in the realm. Right. He was he was doing things with with uh, remote sensing, with satellite imaging uh, that people ha- had only heard of recently, and he began to implement those tools in his archaeological searches. Of course, getting back to the conference, the funny thing is, is when most of us. Uh, and, and the reason that, that Vendel is such a big part of this conference is not just because uh, he and Anita actually put it together and, and planned it and everything. It's because Vendel has impacted every one of us in either a major way or some way to lead us into the uh, the idea of the, of the seven laws. Some have gone on and they have they've decided to convert. Right. Uh, others have said, you know what, this is I think I think God's happy with me here, and they know in their hearts. Of course, which path is better for them? Right. Um, but it, it's the funny thing is, is that for, from uh, a Jewish perspective, from our Jewish friends, and I know you've experienced this, especially when you go to Israel, uh, when you meet observant Jews and they talk to Noahides the first time, and it's happening a lot lately. There are a lot of first-time experiences like that. Mm-hmm. It still happens to me all the time. Um, you you find that they are so taken aback by what God has shown us in his Torah and and the blessing uh, in, in, in the grasp that he has given us by the through the means, through the auspices of people like Vendel and others and uh, people in the rabbinical realm, some, right. good, some great rabbis mm-hmm. who have taught us basic Torah concepts that, that are relevant for a non-Jew. And I think they're always blown away by that. And, of course, their remark constantly to me and to per- people like you and other Noahides is uh, you're almost more Jewish than a lot of our Jewish friends. Yeah, there's something about that too. Uh, that well, I, I think it's because they're not used to people who can who can who can talk to them on that. And I'm not blowing our own horn. I'm just saying no. it's a, it, again it's a blessing. Well, and it's the facts. Yeah. I mean, and I noticed that at uh, the conference we had, no eight. If you recall, you know, during the breaks, these rabbis would sit and talk with the people in the crowd. Yeah. And I remember, uh, you know, Rabbi Hollander and uh, uh, Rabbi Avenir, which we already knew, but many of the rabbis, the speakers who were there, commented, 
that it was amazing that they could sit and, and have a conversation at the level that they were having it, that they were shocked, they were stunned. Sure. And I think as a group, Noahides shined. It really kind of opened their eyes that these these folks are they're going after it. Yeah. With or without us, they are moving forward. So it may as well be with our help. Well, and the, the, one of the things that I found out uh, on this last trip to Eretz Israel, and it, it didn't have to necessarily happen there, but it did for me. And I was working on a documentary, which I, I told you about, I think, on a, on a previous show. Yes, I'm still working on that documentary. <laughs> Thanks uh, for asking. Yeah. But, you know, I, I was working. I'm still working on it. I did all the interviews initially. That's the, That was the toughest part of it. But, but something that's even tougher is editing all of these interviews together, not in a cohesive fashion, but in a fashion that makes them... Um, a little bit entertaining. I mean, not not that a documentary has to be, but you do you don't want to put people to sleep. Right. And I I did a series of interviews in in Eretz Israel, in the land of Israel, with with rabbis who I deeply respect, and uh, I, the whole question was who is Mashiach, and and mm. and, and when. I, in fact, I asked all of these rabbis the very same set of questions, and and thankfully. The responses, in a lot of ways, were always the same, but in their own unique voice. Right. So, so, and I think the the uh, I think the part that to me was most encouraging was the fact that their answers were pretty much the same. And and because we know the old joke, you get four rabbis in a room, you get five opinions. <laughs> so so right. it, it it might have been the the answers might have been colored a, a little differently, uh, characterized, but the basics the basics of these responses were all the same. And it, I was talking to one particular rabbi, um, and his name is David Bar, Rabbi David Bar Chaim. Mm-hmm. He, he has an organization called Machon Shiloh. And uh, I want to specifically mention him because, first of all, I think that he is, he's brilliant. They're all brilliant, but he's brilliant also. Mm-hmm. And uh, he's, I think he's originally from South Africa. Or he may be from Australia, and the reason I get those two those two land masses mixed up is because the accents are very similar. Believe it or not, I never really noticed they, they that. They really are. They're, Interesting. Af- but anyway, the point is, is he he made Aliyah, and he's got this lovely kind of lilting, you know, sort of semi-British accent, but he's not from Britain. Mm-hmm. And he had some very specific ideas about Mashiach. And during the interview, I, I said, you know, I was really surprised when I began to study uh, the Mishnah Torah. And the laws of the kings, because, and I, I wanted to study that for years and never got around to it. I said, because that is where we find uh, many of the teachings of who the Mashiach is. I mean, the Rambam tells us in the laws of the kings, mm-hmm. uh, he gives us the template, he gives right. us the blueprint. Right. He's, in essence, he's saying to us that you can tell the Mashiach because he does this and this and this. By his actions. By his actions. And and it, I believe, if I can remember summing it up very quickly, we know Mashiach because he will regather the people of Israel mm-hmm. in their land. Mm-hmm. He will fight the wars of Israel. And he will rebuild the temple. And th- those three things, there are other permutations, but those three aspects. In fact, the funny thing is, it might be a lot like prophecy, we won't we won't realize it until we look back and go, look what this person did. He did this and that. Oh my goodness, <laughs> he's been in our midst the whole time. Right, and he may not even know it. He may not even know so it. So that's even more intriguing. Well, there's a, let, let me since you brought up a very intriguing point because this is one of the Ray. This is one of the questions I asked. I said, I said, will he know 
he is Mashiach? Or will he have a sense of it? And the answer that I got most often was, um, he will have a sense of it. He will have a sense that, that there is an opportunity for him to take on that mantle. And he says that's when he will be first, he will begin to be troubled the most by it. Well, and, cause I, and I can understand that because we know of others who have tried to take on this mantle via the same process. Exactly. They had that inkling yeah. that maybe I am and, and then began to pursue it. Look at, uh, and, look at Moses. Um, I mean, Moses go. is definitely a kind of Mashiach. Indeed. And, and look, look how, how troubled he was. You know, God, I can't speak. And right. He, you know, and God basically had to talk him into it. Yeah, he certainly did all he could to get away from this. Yeah. So what are you getting me into here? <laughs> so, so, uh, I think we have, we have a, a previous very vivid example of that. And so, uh, this seemed to be the, the, uh, a character trait of this person is that, uh, someone may even come to him and say, you know, you're, you are the man. This is your role. And this, this personage will be extremely troubled by it because not only will he be troubled with responsibility, why not? I mean, to be told that. Right. Secondly, there is, he, he will also deal with the, the, the problem of ego. Will I be able to overcome? And, and of course, the funny thing is what we hear about this personage is that will be the first thing that he will be able to completely wipe out because he will already have been a person who is completely humble. And I was just going to say, I think humility will have already come with that package yeah. when it actually happens. Yeah. Because, again, we look at our biblical templates for people who were a kind of Mashiach. Uh, in the Torah, Moses is called the humblest man. Right. Uh, but but then you have David HaMelech, King David. Um, he was a warrior for God. Right. But he was a warrior for God. In fact, he was so much a warrior that God said, you know what? We can't let you build the temple because of the blood right. that, that you spilled. But he, he got to plan it. Mm-hmm. He got to, he helped with the design. And yet, here is a man who could pick up a sword or he could pick up a round rock and he could kill a giant. He's the same guy that could run after a lost sheep who felt so tenderhearted t- towards a lamb. Right, and and again, they're all shepherds too. So maybe we ought to be roaming the hills of Judea looking for a guy tending sheep. I don't know. Yeah, but but uh, th- but that I, I kind of got myself on track. What I w- the point I was trying to make is, is I said, you know, Rabbi, I said, I, when I when I reread the Mishnah Torah and I read the part, the Mishnah Torah is where we read about the seven laws of Noah. Right, and so you're reading. What's funny is it segues. It it it, it uh, that's an old radio word. Uh, <laughs> it, it actually, you, when you're reading the laws of the kings and who Mashiach is, you go immediate, immediately from that textually right into the seven laws of Noah as Rambam understands them. And I said, you know what? I never saw the connection before. And Rabbi Bar Chaim says, yes, there is a connection. And he said the connection between the Mashiach. And Ben Noach, as he said, the more the nations, and he said it's it's in tandem. It's almost like mm-hmm. a, it's almost like a uh, something that's that's a, a cycling effect, like an electrical field that runs back and forth, that that gives and takes and gives and takes. He says what will happen is he says as we approach and get deeper uh, and closer to the Mashiach arriving, he said the awareness around the world of the seven laws of Noah will increase right alongside the awareness of Mashiach and Israel's role as a light to the nations. Hmm. As, as, Israel, as Israel takes on 
as, as, as you have more balay tshuva, more people returning to Torah, and more people making aliyah, and you have you have the 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 the, uh, the orthodox or observant is a better word, or mm-hmm. the observant element in Israel growing, and you can see the nation of Israel returning more and more to Torah. This will impact the nations. And then the then the nations will impact. It's almost like Israel will say, right. "You know what? We need to make sure we're ready to teach these people these seven laws." Right. And they won't listen to us if we're not living the lives of the Torah right. ourselves. Well, and interestingly enough, uh, a majority of them at this point don't even know we exist. Right. There's also another group that know we exist but don't want to know that we exist. And then we have this other group who want to do everything they can to help us. But invariably, you know, everyone that I have talked to, they are not going to do it for us. No. We have to do it for us, mm-hmm. which takes me back to 20 years ago. Because, you know, in a nutshell, you could, you could say that the Noahide laws, for lack of a better word, the oldest religion known to man. So in a great sense, we are returning to that which we were supposed to be oh so many years ago. And I think it was 20 years ago that light started to be seen by others. And people wanted to find out. They wanted to touch that light. They wanted to find out about it. And now we see it steadily growing since then. You know, the trend that I have been on lately, and and, uh, I'm going to be like a broken record. I don't know if you've heard me say this or not, but the last few opportunities I've had to be uh, in a speaking venue, and and be on the radio like a Eric Sheva, which is an amazing blessing, I think, for mankind. Absolutely. I heard uh, uh, Yeshai had someone on his show recently, a Noahide lady. Hmm. I, I, it was an email, and I, I couldn't believe the way she characterized Israel National Radio. She said, "Thank you, Rabbi." Or, no, I'm sorry. Thank you, Yeshai. Freudian slip there. Uh, thank you, Yeshai, for uh, the work that Israel National Radio, uh, the fringes of Israel National Radio reach far. You know, the seat seat. Right. You know, allowing right. us, if you will, to grab right. hold of these these airwaves, these fringes that come out from, from Zion, if you will. Exactly. From Mount, you know, from the Mount. But anyway, the, the, the other thing is that, that uh, you know, you, you when you said religion, you know, my eyes got open bigger because... Um, Yes and no. It is the oldest religion in the sense of the way we, you and I, and the the audience listening understands the word. Right. But you know what I'm really on a kick lately is I'm trying to get people to stop calling Judaism a religion. Yeah. Because it is indeed a way of life. But when you say that to someone, then comes the question, well, what do you mean a way of life? Mm -hmm. Define way of life. Yeah. And now you have to start it in the beginning. Elohim well, created that. Not even that. Not even that. All you have to do is, is and you know what I, I tell people? I say, look, what did, they, what, did, what did Hashem, what did God tell Abraham? Did he tell him, I will make of you a great religion? No. No. He said, I will make of you a great nation. nation. We're going to go ahead and hold it right there, and we're going to be back uh, shortly with the remaining part of the interview with Jim Long. And uh, I know this first half has been great. The second half is going to be even better, right, Prescott? I can't wait to hear the second half. 
Well, because it took me this long to wait for the first half, so. Yeah. <laughs> and the the second half is going to have some powerful news in it, things that are going to be happening and things that are currently happening, and uh, so you're going to get a lot of great stuff out of the uh, second half uh, of this. But let's go ahead and jump on out of here. Let's let the station do their business, and then we'll come back and do ours, folks. We'll see you on the other side. Right on. My name is Mike from Washington, D.C. I started to have prostate problems about 10 years ago. I had to get up four or five times a night and it left me tired all day. I work in the legal field and I couldn't sit for more than an hour before having to ask for a recess. After taking the optimal product for a month, my symptoms almost disappeared. I can't tell you how happy I am to have found this product. Apuntima capsules made only in Israel. Go now to www.preso.com. That's P-R-I-S-S-O.com. If you love Israel and you're coming to the Holy Land, you need Israel's best tour guide. See Israel like you've never seen it before. Mayor Eisenman will take you around the country for an educational and fun experience. Each tourist gets a personally designed tour. The land of the Bible, the land of the Tanakh, comes alive in the hands of an energetic and experienced tour guide. Visit IsraelByMayor.com. That's IsraelByMayor, M-E-I-R, or email him directly at IsraelByMayor at gmail.com. Welcome back, my friends. We certainly appreciate you sticking around here for the Noahide Nation show. We've been listening to the interview with Jim Long that I did out at the 20th anniversary of the VJRI Noahide Conference held in Texas. And uh, it's a good interview. There's a lot of great stuff coming up, and we want to jump right back into it. But also want to let you know that Prescott and I have an important announcement to share with you after the show. So please do stick around. Prescott, let's get right back into it. What did, what did, what did Hashem, what did God tell Abraham? Did he tell him, I will make of you a great religion? No. No. He said, I will make of you a great nation. nation. And you and I, as Noahides, know this, and others out there listening who've studied their Torah, the, one of the biggest stumbling blocks right now for the rest of the world realizing the role of Israel is to understand that, w- that if you are not a Jew and you open up that Torah, one of those five books, that it is written for you, but it's not written to you. Right. And and that, that this is a set of laws, because if anybody that's read the Torah, any, any of the laws, there are laws that, that completely sound to them. They're, they're confusing to them in some respects. And it's like, well, how do I observe this? Well, because you don't have to observe it. You're not a Jew, and, and you're not living in the land of Israel where, where many of these laws actually begin to take full effect. And the, the only difference, the only difference between being my being an American and someone who lives in Eretz Israel, who is an observant Jew, who believes that the Torah is their set of laws, is that when I keep one of my laws, an American law, if you will, mm-hmm. not the Sheva Mitzvot, but, right. but laws as... On the books. On the books, <laughs> which we're supposed to keep because right. because that's one of our, our laws of Noah, right. that all I do is maintain order. That's all I do. Whereas someone who is Jewish, when they keep the, what, what seems like the simplest mitzvah, it seems like, wow, he has to do that every day. Every time he does that one mitzvah, whatever it is, he brings down holiness. That is an amazing concept. 
Right. I mean, yeah, we can do this too. Right. When we do something that is literally a blessing. But But it's their role. To do it. Exactly. It is not our role to do it, even exactly. though, yes, we Be- can. Because it's a priesthood. Right. I mean, but what our role is, is as the congregation, is to spread that holiness laterally so that mankind can be holy. Sure. And, you know, of course, we're not going to be the priest. We'll never be the priest. We're the congregation. But without the congregation, no need for priests. Without priests, there's no need for a congregation. So we each have our role, both as equally important. And that is the beautiful story yeah. of Torah. <laughs> well, it's a, it's a, you know, I tell people that the planet's a very big house and that the, <laughs> the, the being that, that built this house used a blueprint. And he said, this is how I want it kept. And I've given it to you people, the Jews. I want you to keep my house. I want you to rebuild it so that all of the people that I built it for can stay here. And by the way, if you if you don't follow the rules and you begin to tear up my house, we're going to ask you to leave. Right. <laughs> and it would be no different than any lease that you would sign if you were renting a house or an apartment. I mean, there are, there are rules. responsibilities incumbent on you right. as the person you agree right. with the builder and the owner that you will take care of your part of the house and you won't hurt other people that live in the house and you're not going to tear up the house. I mean, I can't put it in more elementary terms. No, and that's probably the way it needs to be put because it is that simple, uh, even though the study of Torah is not that simple. But the reality of it is. Now, this uh, a documentary on yeah. the, the uh, uh, Mashiach. When do you envision it being made available for the masses? I'm 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 always trying to make something a, a theatrical documentary mm-hmm. because and it's just me because I I love the I love sitting in a, a a theater with with hundreds of people and experiencing something together right, with them right. and and then that and and, it's, and I if I can't get a distribution deal I will do I'll go the second route which I have done with my other documentaries which is to go the festival route. Mm-hmm. And I'd like to see see this in some they, there are a lot of Jewish film festivals now. And I'd like to I'd like to take something like this to a Jewish film festival especially in America. Right. And uh, <laughs> where I think even I think some I think many American Jews are not familiar with the idea of who Mashiach is. And by the way, I when you speak of that, so th- that initially is my first. If if I can't go, if Hashem says you know doesn't allow that route, then the next route would be television, and you you kind of you kind of go down right. the list, and then eventually you release it on DVD, you put it on the internet. The internet, I believe, is 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 almost up there now with theatrical. Of course, it doesn't have the glamour right. of, of theatrical <laughs> sitting in a theater. Right. It doesn't it doesn't have the uh, you know, it, it has a, a, a different kind of impact because, again, you're, you've got that collective thing of sitting with a lot, a lot of people. Right. Whereas the Internet, you, it's, if it goes viral, as they say, mm-hmm. then you're able to disseminate. But I, I found that the reason I still kind of cling to the ideas of DVDs and, and a theatrical release or television is because the, tr- the trouble with the Internet at this point is that a lot of people can't sit for 30 minutes or more right. in front of a computer. Right. When you go to the theater, you're planning on it. Yeah, Make you're planning on it. a big old box of popcorn. and <laughs> You've set that, t- that time aside. Right. There's, there's, the doorbell isn't ringing. Right. You, can lo- <laughs> you can lock in visually and mentally to the subject at hand. So that, that is my, I will defer to whatever plan Hashem, you know, I'll do what I'm, I can do, and then Hashem will, do, of course, do the rest. Okay. And you've given us a, a, a kind of a flavor for what the documentary is going to be on and some of the people who are going to be appearing in it. Do you have a window of time? Can you give us a hint? 
Is uh, it going to be by the next conference? Will it be you know by the end of this year? I mean, have you kind of tried to project, yeah. even though it is in the hands of Hashem, we understand that, but if you had it your way, when can we see it? When would you like to have it out there? This fall. This fall. Yeah. Okay. And by the way, so that people will, will know... I actually have two titles. So there's, you know, you, when you are in production, you have working titles. Right. The original working title was "Waiting for Mashiach," mm-hmm. and th- the reason I'm thinking about changing the name is because there has been a there was a Christian documentary about people looking for the, you know, the, mm. the, the coming of of their right, Messiah. Right. 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 And, and they call it they call it. Uh, oh, well, in fact, they're waiting for the end of the world. <laughs> And they call, I believe it's called Waiting for Armageddon or something yeah, like that. I hear they're selling tickets too. Yeah, so. but I mean, the point is, is the title sounds very much alike, and I don't right. want people to be confused. Right. So the alternate working title at this point, unless I come up with a different one, will be called Messiah Nation. Excellent. The, the inspiration for that was part of it was the conversation with Rabbi Bar Chaim and the fact that I saw that it won't just be, I believe there will be a leader. For the people of Israel, right? But I believe that I believe in in some respects that that there will be there will be a collective thing happening with the Jews, especially especially in Eretz Israel, because this is their land. I think we'll see a nation, a whole nation of of people, turning to Hashem. Obviously, the government today of Israel is not exactly what we call. You know, not Torah-based. Not Torah-based. Torah when this begins to happen, I, was, I think you'll see it'll become a nation that is inclined towards Torah. So it's almost like a Messiah nation. Mm-hmm. They and, and the other inspiration for that is uh, a, a wonderful book that I read called Startup Nation. And I, hmm. I don't know if I've talked to you about the no, book. No, I'm not familiar with uh, it. I recommend it to everybody because it, it to me, is a, gl- a kind of an inkling of how we are, you know, how in this we know in the we know in the spiritual realm that we're in the Messiah messianic age is right. approaching. Right. But but is it happening in a material level? Well, it is. If you've read Startup Nation, it's two economists, and it's about the astounding things taking place in the business sector in Israel. And in the technological sector in Israel, that are that are causing mouths to drop open in wonder at this present time. They have, uh, in a percentage-wise, for the size of the nation of Israel, there is abundant amount of, of successful startups and successful. So this is nonfiction, then. This is this is a real thing. It's going on right now. There's more venture capital being thrown into Israel right now. You can you can talk to the people at Microsoft. You can talk to people at Intel. They've invested heavily. Do you know how surprising this is to hear? Because with the way the, the bashing that they're getting yeah. from central and key figures here in you know, the United States as well as around the world, yeah. you would think they are the uh, on the last boat to China, so to speak. Right. <laughs> and, this is and so to hear this is just uh, it, re- it invigorates me. Well, the thesis the thesis of the book was to say, look, there are other countries that in population and resources are, are kind of alike Israel. Ireland had a point where you know Ireland's not a very big country. No. And suddenly, business wise, the the it just opened wide and business was booming and tech things were starting up but but they they're beginning to have problems israel even despite the worldwide economic problems israel has maintained i have friends in israel that own property there that own homes and they say the housing problems never came to israel hmm. now mind you the, the the economy and and of israel is a miracle in itself but the point is is that 
if you look at a chart of, of the most technological innovations, the most successful startups, Israel is positioned on that chart right behind the U.S., which is the world leader in this. So the two authors, whose names escape me at the moment, said, why is this happening? Now, the sad part is they don't. They only talked about the religious leaders of Israel mm-hmm. in one paragraph and in a very negative way mm-hmm. because they felt the religious groups of Israel might hold this growth back. Of course, I wouldn't agree because because some of the finest minds in Israel are observant Jews. Go to Barlan University and you'll meet some of them. Right, and so, if you if you read the commentaries on the blessings that Jacob gave his sons, you'll see that many of those blessings were commercial-related yeah, sure. blessings. They weren't all the tribe of Issachar yeah. who would study Torah and teach Torah. They weren't. I mean, there were not twelve of those tribes. Many of them were very commercial-oriented in one fashion or another in which to support groups like Issachar yeah. who could study and teach and keep them up on Torah. So it, this is, you almost have to say it is religiously inclined. Th- this is right because because this is the whole idea of the way Israel is to function in a Torah society. Right, is it, exactly. Is that all of Israel supports the temple and the priesthood. Right. And so you have to have something viably commercial going on. Right. So what ha- that, that wisdom is coming into play that God is giving, is continuing to flow into the earth. The interesting, the search in the book was for the answer. Why is it happening to Israel? Mm-hmm. A, a country that is surrounded by enemies. <laughs> okay. And this is, this, is the, this is the model that doesn't fit the other countries. Right. It's completely surrounded by people who want to wipe them out. Right. It has a very small population. Mm-hmm. It doesn't have any real resources except its brain power. Very small land mass. Well, one of the things, one of the things that came to them that was, they were looking for, for commonalities to see what was the answer to this. And one of them was, it was surprising, many of these young CEOs, they're young, mm-hmm. of these successful companies are ex-IDF soldiers. Interesting. And these are people who were, by the way, put in, in, in uh, positions uh, executive positions. They were they became officers in the field at a very young age. Uh-huh. They were put in the they were put in charge of a lot of lives, and they had to think on their feet. They were in fact Israeli young Israeli officers are encouraged to innovate. If if they don't think that their superior officer has a good idea, they're encouraged to come up with a better idea. And this translated into the business sector. Uh-huh. And you know, it's something we really need to look at here in America. When these guys come back from Iraq and Afghanistan, these guys who've had to think on their feet, these guys are the kind of people we need to talk to and bring back into, welcome into the business realm. Absolutely. But here's, here's where it translates, and this is how it came into being an, an idea for a, uh, a title of the, of the movie, uh, the documentary that I'm doing. It's like, okay, well, that's great, but how does, how does it translate into a spiritual realm? And I thought, you know what, what's happening is, that Israel is becoming like one aspect of Mashiach, of, of David. David was a king. He was a warrior. He, he was a fearless warrior. And he was able to take on all comers. He literally took on Goliath. Well, that's what's happening right now. But the other part of David hasn't surfaced yet. Right. The one who loved his God so much that he was moved to write the Psalms. Mm-hmm. He was moved so much by his love, even for an innocent animal, to, to go out into the field and look for it and bring it back. That enormous aspect of Mashiach, which of course is, is, is some say it will be David. Others say he'll be from the lineage of David. Mm-hmm. Well, Israel itself, that's, that's the template 
for Israel as a Messiah nation, to be that warrior king that leads the way, because the whole world right now is looking at Israel and saying, you know what, these people, they're beginning to lead. We can see, we can look at them as, a, as an example of how to be successful. All we have to get them to do now, the rest of the world, is, is to say, we want to worship the God these people believe. That's when it will become Messiah Nation. Right. Obviously, you've put some thought into this. And now you've got my mind going crazy with this. Is that for me, I'm sitting here listening to you, and it is like the, the light is there. But you need to take the blinders off to see it. Mm-hmm. And right now, there's a lot of people, nations, that are not taking the blinders off. Because when you think about how successful they are being, and even more so now, with everything that is standing in its way, yeah. that in and of itself, if that does not prove that a God exists, you're missing the whole boat. Mm-hmm. But they are the light, and the light's there to be seen. And I think this book, from what you're telling me, from the sounds of it, they're shedding some of that light. Oh, they don't even know it yet. Yeah, exactly. They're, they're figuring it out. They're, they're asking the right question. How can this be? And, and here we talk- are. Yeah, here we are. We're in the age of information. Everything is being driven by computers. And the people who, who, the people who lead the revolution in computers continually are looking to Israel as a, one of the biggest factories for Intel is, is in Israel. I mean, I didn't know that until I read the book. <laughs> and so I it recommend, I recommend the book. But I also give us a name again, Jim. It's called Startup Nation. Okay, Startup Nation. Because startups have been very successful there, and the nation is leading the way. It's by two Jewish authors who are not religious. They're very much into the business world. I think if they will read that with the with the the caveat that okay, this is not a book about a religious people, but uh, understand that you know we know that they that the religious side of Israel will finally emerge it's emerging right now yeah well if you read torah and read it the way it's meant to be read is they hashem was building a nation and teaching them how to have that nation while at the same time having a relationship with him worshiping him more importantly he taught him how to be a nation yeah and that's an incredible thing now i know you're pointing to the clock we got a couple of very special guests coming up i know you need to introduce them yeah. so let's go ahead and shut on down and let me say thank you for joining us this has been a fascinating uh, discussion and certainly you're going to come back to us when you have that documentary out right bezrat hashem god w- God, with God's help, I will be back, and I look forward to talking to you again. Excellent. I'm going to hold you to it. Okay. Jim, thanks a lot. Thank you, sir. Take care. Well, folks, that is going to wrap it up for the 20th anniversary of the VJRI Noahide Conference. Prescott, did you know that Jim was the one who had launched the show with me? Yes, I did. You did? And okay. In fact, yeah, yeah. In fact, uh, Jim and I uh, have exchanged communication via... Uh, Skype occasionally. I don't know if I had ever told you that or not. But. I don't know. I don't remember either. I, I know he does no, uh, I, use Skype quite frequently, especially when he's on the road. Oh yeah. Yeah. No. Very, he was very encouraging, and uh, I've always enjoyed the show from the time that I started listening to it, and, and then of course uh, after Jim came, uh, Adam. You know, you go through show hosts, right, Ray? You know that. <laughs> Yeah. Uh, well, yeah, we're going to see how long you're going to weather this. <laughs> well, and uh, all of them have been great. Jim was great. Yeah. Uh, Adam was great. 
And it just, you know, Hashem uh, pulled them away in a different direction so that they could do uh, His work in other areas of, of Torah. You know, just like what Jim was saying, He was over in Israel filming yeah. a documentary uh, about the Mashiach. I mean, <laughs> how good does it get? How much better does it get? I mean, yeah, yeah. Uh, that's a phenomenal deal, and it's it's what he is. <laughs> yes. He's an expert at it. He's very, very good, <laughs> and Hashem wants him to. Uh, that's what he wants him doing. So he took him away. On the he one took him hand, away from me. Well, on the one hand, he could have been doing the radio show with you, or in Israel doing documentaries. Yeah, let me let me think about that. Israel radio, <laughs> Israel radio. Oh, that's the name of the station, Israel. National Radio. Hmm. Okay, uh, moving right along here. But it was great to have Jim. It was great to see him after yeah, uh, such good. an extended period. Because literally, it was the last time I saw him and his wife Carol was at the previous <laughs> Noahide conference for VJRI. So oh, you know, okay, it, yeah. it didn't occur to me until I was actually sitting there with him, and you know, I kind of felt bad about it. And actually, we both felt bad about it. But you know, that's just the way life ha- has become. So uh, yeah. we wish Jim a lot of luck. We're looking forward to that next interview to announce the new DVD. I'll tell you what, from the sounds of it, I can't wait to get it in my hands and into the store of No Hide Nations. It ought to be a yeah. fabulous documentary. It'll, it'll be great to own that in our library. Yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah, they, I mean, right now with what they're doing with Lightcatcher is uh, really, really very significant producing books for uh, Noah Hides and for Jews, of course. Right, and right. Um, really excellent work that they're doing. So, uh, you know, while you may miss Jim and you're stuck with me, the fact <laughs> is, is that the rest of us are all the more blessed because of uh, what Jim's doing. So, Well, you're right. And don't kid yourself. I love you. <laughs> you're you're, you're great. Know. And as you heard in the interview, Jim thinks... You're great too. So just accept it. Quit spanking yourself. Otherwise, I might have to (laughs) kick your tail. So anyway, uh, we're going to be doing formerly called the After the Show show today. And as those of you who joined us last week for our formerly After the Show show, you now know that the new name of that is the Noahide Nations Plugged In Show. And we certainly hope that you are going to join us for that. And we have had an absolutely wonderful time here with the fine folks and and doing this interview with Jim and kind of wrapping up that conference. Uh, We don't know what's going to be happening next year uh, for that conference, but we do have a grandiose announcement. Big. Real big. How big is big? Big. Let me let me tell you, big. It's big, especially for us because we're the ones going to have to do all the work. But what if what it boils down to, folks, is we at Noahide Nations, the board of directors, have gotten together, and we have voted in favor of having the next World Conference of the Noahide Nations number two. We're going to be having that approximately the same time frame uh, as we did the last conference. So figure along the end of June time frame. Uh, we don't know exactly what those dates are going to be. We're kind of formulating that right now. But uh, it's a very, very recent decision. Wanted to let you know about it. And we will be talking a little bit about that here on the After the Show show. But we did want to make an announcement to... <laughs> plugged in. Plugged in. Yeah, see, that's how 
tells you what. I, I'm not even plugged in. Maybe I need to be unplugged. But anyway, we're going to be talking about the conference a little bit later. And uh, for you that join us, you'll hear a little bit more about what we're going to have going on. But we did want to make the announcement today so that uh, our listeners could get in on that uh, recent development about the next World Conference of the Noahide Nations in 2011. So, Prescott, we're going to have to sign off here, buddy. Yep. So everybody can join us over at uh, Noahide Nations and check out the Plugged In Show. Excellent. Well, folks, we'll see you next week. Shavua Tov. And, uh, Prescott, I will see you shortly. Right on. Shalom. Shalom, shalom. Kidashta, the personal touch, invite everyone to their two exciting stores, one in the heart of Jerusalem and one in Moreim. Kidashta, the personal touch, is the epitome of elegant style and service. Sterling silver, artistic glassware, jewelry, teletot, mezuzot, and much more. And also features a full boutique wine department specializing in Israeli wines. And, of course, everything is available online at Judaica 4 u Judaica, the numeral 4 and the letter U.com. Shalom, shalom. Mi nombre es Amir Yehuda de León. Quisiera decirle que escuchen Israel National Radio en cualquier lugar del mundo a través del Internet. My name is Humberto Yehuda de León saying hi from Houston, Texas. And telling you guys, please listen IsraelNationalRadio.com via the Internet. Anywhere, anytime, except Shabbat, of course. From Houston, Texas, New York, Israel, or Eastern Africa, or San Juan, Puerto Rico, you always can listen to Israel National Radio. You should, too.